Welcome to the Dose of D podcast. I'm your host, D Silky, and joining me today, I have a very special guest. I guess you could call him a subject matter expert, and we are going to be talking about art and God. So for those of you who don't know, I've been working on probably the biggest project of my career, which is called the Money Coat, and it's a coat that's going to be stuffed with cash that was um, crowdfunded and all donated to me, and the point of the coat is to create this wearable piece of art that opens up a conversation, particularly with um, Canadians and North Americans, about how difficult it is to start a fashion brand and how quite often you end up with your money wrapped up in inventory. So I'm creating this coat that quite literally has cash wrapped up in inventory. And because this coat is so opulent and so bougie and over the top, it is going to be my biggest ticket item to date in my entire creative career. And that started to sink in on a subconscious level. And after working on this project for a few months, that internal dialogue that I didn't know was there started to come to the forefront. And I started to ask myself questions about my own value, my worth. Um, And then, you know, on a different level, I started to think about capitalism and materialism, what is good and what is bad. And I decided to bring in some professional help. Um, So in this podcast, we will be talking about God. um, And that can be different things to different people. So Jamie and I will be talking about it more or less in a Christian context. uh, But that's not to say that this wouldn't apply to other theologies as well. If you don't follow me on Instagram, my Instagram is at dsilkie, D-E-E-S-I-L-K-I-E. And you will be able to see exclusive Money Coat updates. I post on my stories daily, the behind the scenes of getting everything done, running around the city of Toronto, collecting supplies. Um, But also, if you're a podcast listener and you've been wondering where the heck my regular podcast episodes have been lately, um, I hate to break it to you, but TikTok has won my heart. I am a total TikTok girl now, and it has been getting most of my content creation attention span. And so if you don't follow me on TikTok, I highly recommend you do so. Um, I have um, the largest following across all my social platforms is on TikTok. I'm so happy. I love that community so, 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 so much. And I do post a lot more consistently on there. So without further ado, we're going to jump into today's episode with Jamie, and we're going to talk all things God, art, materialism, and more. I feel like there's going to be a lot of editing in this. <laughs> Wait, can you like swear on this? Duh. Like two artists trying to figure out technology. What were we thinking? Okay. Okay. Looks like it's recording. Great. Okay, perfect. Joining me today is Jamie Cambers, who is an ordained reverend. Um, He's currently taking his master's in pastoral theology, and he's served as a worship and creative arts pastor for the last 15 years. Um, Jamie is a husband, a father, and uh, was actually a pastor at the church that Ryan and I used to go to, so that's how I know Jamie. And um, one of the units that Jamie is currently taking in his master's program 
is called The Church as a Cultural Community. And so Jamie had actually posted something um, on his Instagram, which fit perfectly with some of the thoughts that have been going on in my mind lately as a creative person and as a spiritual person. And so I shot Jamie a, a DM just with some of my thoughts. And he was like, let's have a conversation about this. So we thought it would be um, the perfect opportunity to do an actual podcast on art and God. So Jamie, thank you for being here today. No, thanks for having me. It's uh, it's good to to hear your voice. I mean, I it's weird because my wife Catherine and I obviously follow you on Instagram, and so we get to hear from you all the time. But uh, you know, you don't get to hear from me. So uh, I'm really excited to uh, to be a part of what, whatever it is that we got going on here. We miss you and Ryan greatly, and uh, we love you guys. And uh, I'm so glad to be a part of what you're doing. Yes, when this uh, pandemic's over, if you ever come to Toronto again, you should come come visit. That's right. Well, it almost happened, not this past summer, but the summer before that, didn't it? I remember now. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we had our two foster girls, and they weren't comfortable <laughs> meeting strangers at the time, so uh, we couldn't yeah, make it happen. So we'll, we'll, it'll, it'll happen again. We have some family there, so. Okay, so let's dive right in. Um, as you know, one of the projects that I've been working on is called The Money Coat, and it was a crowdfunded project. Um, And so one of the things that I've struggled with as a creative entrepreneur, uh, specifically in fashion, is having my money wrapped up in inventory. So you can kind of get enough skin in the game to be able to live, pay your rent, pay pay for your meals, um, however you are able to afford that, whether it's a a side hustle um, or your husband's paying for most of it or <laughs> um, what have you. And then, you know, you can make enough money, hopefully to actually produce a collection, but to have any capital left over to actually uh, properly market and sell those products is very difficult when you're competing with fast fashion brands and, and the multi-million dollar budgets that they have. And so what happens is because you don't have your customers lined up yet when you're first starting out, and you don't have uh, those resources to to gain customer awareness of your products, you have your money wrapped up in inventory. So I wanted to make a piece of wearable art that really showcased this problem and showed uh, people what it's like to have that feeling, that gut-wrenching feeling of having your money wrapped up in inventory, literally. And so I designed a winter coat that uh, is is filled with cash. All that to say... Having something that's so obviously associated with money and art really started to get me thinking as an artist and as a spiritual person, um, my relationship with art and, uh, you know, what does God or a higher being or the universe um, have to say about that, I guess? Yeah, it's a huge question. So when I, when I, speak of God, and I know that your your listeners are probably all going to have a different concept of, of God or, like you said, some kind of higher being. So when I talk about God, I'm talking about uh, who I would believe be creator God and um, who came incarnate into the, the person of Jesus and um, kind of set, set the movement of the church, what we know as the church in, in place. So that's just for contextual purposes. That's who I talk about when I talk about God. And so you'll notice that the very first um, adjective I used to talk about God was him as creator. And one of the very first things that we learn about God when we read, um, if you read the Bible or if, you know, maybe some of your listeners grew up in Sunday school, right? Like many of us did. um, You'll know that one of the very first things that we learn about 
God, this capital G God, is that he's a creator. And in Genesis 1, 1, it says that he created the heavens and the earth. So we know that um, God is a creative being, right? He created the universe. He created everything in it, yada, yada, yada. Um, and then even when it gets to uh, his creation of man in Genesis 1, 27, I think, it talks about how he created human beings in his image. And so if what we know about God is that he is a creator and that he has created us in his image, that means that we are creators as well. And so uh, God has given each human, every human ever created, he's given us all the capacity to create. And the things that we create uh, in many formats, if not all of them, are in some way art. Um, now, we all may have different points of view about what we think art is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and what we think uh, a creative or a creator looks like. So my dad was a banker for 40 years or something like that. And uh, I may I don't see his crunching of numbers, you know, for... Well, I don't even know what he did as a banker, but he did something with numbers. And to me, that's not art. But to him... That was how he created. He made things work for businesses um, and managed money in a certain way. He created um, things in a certain way. And, and so I think that God has given us all the capacity to create. I want to sort of take that a step further. I I read something, it was a few years ago now, and it was called Art in the Bible. And it referenced um, a lot of different points throughout the Bible when God actually ordered his people to decorate things. That's right. Yeah. Exodus uh, Exodus 35 is a a huge example of that. And uh, so I guess like I can, I personally can come to terms with the fact that, um, creativity is of God that I don't struggle with what what I kind of come across or come up against is so what happens when you identify as an artist and I really like what you were saying about your dad being an accountant and him considering that art because I do think there is an argument to be made that that yes in fact that is art um, because art is is creating something, right? And so if he's able to create different outcomes by manipulating the numbers or the data, then sure, uh, by definition, then that is creative work. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you were to identify as an artist in what we would think of in the traditional sense, you know, maybe a painter, a sculptor. Aesthetic, um, right? Like art as aesthetic sort of thing. Right, exactly. Like purely aesthetic. That's That's a good point. Then... And you, and you make the decision that you're going to turn this into a career or into a business. I don't know why, but for some reason, I think that the world, myself included, has issues with that. And I'm so curious as to where that comes from. I don't understand why other professions aren't picked upon like like that and and why we f- a lot of us feel like art should should solely be aesthetic and there shouldn't be money involved or you shouldn't be charging for it. Um, and I think that comes from guilt and I don't think that that is actually biblical. So I'm curious as to like your thoughts on that. Oh, that's a, that's a big question. I, what, what is, I feel like there's a, almost a deeper question there. Um, I, I think that there is art, art should always make you think and there, 
art and justice are actually so closely related that it's it's about what art makes you think or what art is trying to accomplish. When we're talking about aesthetic art, there's always form and function, right? So what is the function of it in the sense of what is it trying to say or what is it trying to have you feel or, um, you know, what what is it bringing ab- about inside you? And I think that's one of the most important things about art. And so in, in many ways, art is offensive, right? Um, in the sense that it should, it should try to get you to see perspective from the artist's eyes and that perspective may be different than yours. And so innately it's, uh, it can sometimes feel offensive, which is not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's where the idea that, uh, you know, people, you know, people making money because they're saying their perspective is offensive to me. Um, I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. I think if anything, it can help us understand one another's worldviews uh, even better uh, when we're when we're challenged to think differently because of someone's art. I think when it really boils down, I think where this like insecurity comes from, um, obviously being raised in the church, there is this notion of being in the world but not of the world. And when you're creating something um, like a painting, for example, that maybe doesn't have the most practical purpose, it does feel like materialistic and are you contributing to this materialism of the world and so i think that for me personally is where it becomes confusing right i like like for me creating something like that that's who i am but then it almost feels wrong to try and pursue that yeah i don't i don't think it should i mean i i do think that excess when we talk about you know materialism, like excess of anything is dangerous. Mm-hmm. Not not just of money, but you know excess of of eating too much, or excess of being so concerned about your weight or weight loss, right? Or uh, excess of uh, whatever the case may be. Excess is uh, is the thing that's dangerous. Not liking nice things or having nice things or liking a lot of something. Uh, even because excess becomes idolatry and idolatry, of course, that's the thing that's, that that's bad, right? Is um, at least from the perspective of God, anything that is um, put above him, right? Or more important than him and the mission and vision that he has for his creation. That is the thing that, that becomes dangerous. Um, What you had mentioned about, you know, being uh, in the world, but not of it uh, that comes from, First John two fifteen, and there's some really important verses that come after it that that talk about just that 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 excess is the thing that's that's more dangerous. So uh, it says, "Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you, for when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions." those things are not from the Father, but they're from the world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does not, uh, who does what pleases God will live forever. So what it's talking about is the danger of excess, right? The more things that we we crave uh, and that we we envy and that we long for um, pulls us 
further and further away from what God actually desires for us, which is not things, but people. It's community. Mm -hmm. Uh, So so art should, one of its core purposes is not just justice and making us think about something in a certain way or having a certain perspective, but about community. It's about pulling people together for conversations like we're having now, right? Right. And so the, the more we get wrapped up in excess and wanting things, the, the less we put on the people around us. And uh, that, that can be dangerous, obviously. Right. And I, I, I think I need to, I think what you're saying is right. And I need to process it more and get into a deeper level of thought because I, I get it. It's like things in moderation, but for my personal aesthetic as a designer, like I am such a maximalist and mm. I am so extravagant and over the top and in your face and like non-apologetic for it. Like who stuffs a coat with like $2,000 cash inside of it? <laughs> right. you know I mean? Like that in itself is seen as excessive, but even though on the surface, my work is very glamorous and very materialistic and very like in your face, I do think um, below it, like what I'm ultimately trying to do with creating my brand is to create a community of people who, who have a voice. Um, because right. at the end of the day, my work is more than just a piece of clothing. I do try to start conversations with it to be disruptive, make people think, mm-hmm. um, and to create change for the world. Yeah, I mean, I think you've probably known me long enough to know that I I would probably lean in the trendier side of mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. fashion. Uh, obviously, I'm would probably be fall in the neutral range as far as colors go. But I've never been afraid to look a little bit different than the average, you know, quote unquote pastor or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I don't think that there. I think that the church is missing out on the percept the the perspective of art and artists and creatives even in the fashion world um you know i was it's funny um what was I, I i was looking at something online and saw um i love harry harry styles he was wearing um oh a dress like a dress of some sort and i had someone say like Can you imagine like someone walking into church with something like that on and my immediate thought was, I mean, we, we have women who come in with, you know, suits on. That's that's that would be, you know, however many years ago, that was a, a more of a masculine thing. So how is that any different than, you know, if someone were to come in with something that would be, quote unquote, a little bit more feminine? Like it it's it's again, it just comes back to offering perspective. Obviously, he's trying he's saying something about. Uh, his his worldview or what he believes, and there's nothing wrong with that. And I think the church has just been so scared to um, to to be open to hearing other perspectives like that. I'm not saying the perspective specifically from Harry, but um, you know about uh, communities that they just don't quite understand yet. And so, yeah. you know, I I'm I'm not shy to say that the the church has been behind this perspective uh, for many, many years, we're just, you know, we're 20 years behind what the rest of the world is doing sometimes. So what would you, you know, you talked about um, excess being 
maybe the part you want to be careful of. So it's okay to want nice things. It's okay to, to be wealthy. Um, but really making sure that like your heart and your head is in the right place and, and you're, you're giving back, like what is, what are the rules around that from, you know, God or Jesus perspective? Yeah. I wouldn't say that there's hard and fast rules. Um, because I think that's, that's where the trouble is with, with people who maybe don't understand um, the church or the Bible or um, the perspective that Jesus Christ gives us um, is, is the Bible is not a book of rules and regulations, which is how a lot of us perceive it. It's it really, ultimately it's, it's wisdom literature. And so it's, it's main point is to, to have us figure it out. Right. And that's kind of where the Holy spirit comes in to kind of guide us in our thinking. But um, so when it comes to, to wealth, we have to remember that that's a lot different than greed, right? Um, greed is, is the dangerous thing. Uh, but having money is not having mo- a lot of money is not a bad thing. It's really, it's what you do with it. I think if we know the difference between wealth and greed, right? Wealth is what you have. Greed is what you want. And so, um, well, I would say greed is what you want in an unhealthy manner. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's accomplishing anything in order to have that thing. And so, you know, I, I know a lot of people who follow Jesus and have a ton of money, but it's what they do with it. It's how they share it. It's where they put their money um, and not have anyone know about it. <laughs> right. That, that's the other part. If, you know, if you make a ton of money um, at whatever your vocation is, art or, finance or whatever the case may be um you know if, if if you're giving that and then telling everybody hey everybody look at this great thing i did then then you're in the the realm of pride um and so there's a lot of people who make a ton of money who love jesus and give a lot of it away and don't even tell anybody um i think that's such an important thing to think about when we think about wealth is is where we put it um the tithing um so a tithing is a spiritual discipline. So you talked about, you know, giving your 10%, the 10% of your paycheck. That's the first thing you give to the church or to ministry or whatever. So that's actually just a spiritual discipline where you recognize what, what God has blessed you with. Therefore you want to give some of that back as a way of worship or as um, a sacrifice or an offering to give back to God. Um, and so, you know, some people aren't necessarily members of a church, or um, you know, have a an independent faith community. So that ten percent doesn't actually go to a church, but it, but it goes to something, some kind of of ministry or giving back to the poor and the oppressed. Um, you know, it's just a way to give back and say thanks to God for what He has already given us. And um, I know a guy who I, I don't know him, but I know of an author who wrote a book and it was um, a huge like bestseller in the Christian world and even outside the, the Christian world. And he made so much money off it that he, he almost felt guilty. And so instead of giving 10% of, you know, the tithe or whatever of the process, the proceeds from that book, he actually ended up giving 90% of it away and keeping the 10% for himself. And so it's that kind of mentality of, what to do with wealth, what to do with money, 
when you have well, it. That's, but that's all like good and noble. And I mean, maybe I'm a, like a bad person, but I don't, that's, I guess that's my hang up. Like, why are we expecting creative people and or Christian people to give, I guess, specifically creative people? Cause I guess you could say, okay, we're expecting Christians to give more or not expecting it, but like, it makes sense with that narrative because the end of the day, like your MO is like God and giving back, I guess. But like, I feel from as a creative, I feel so much pressure to like, automatically include some sort of nonprofit that I give a proceed part of my proceeds to or like, I um, give back a certain amount of my earnings. And I, I just don't know why there's that expectation on artists as opposed to an accountant, for example. Um, it just feels like there's like so much pressure on on the creative industries to serve the, the poor or the needy when really as a whole with, the, you know, with a few exceptions to the rule, like, generally speaking, artists and creatives are an underserved community. And we yep. are the poor starving artists. So it's frustrating when you are struggling and then you you do get a win and then to be expected to divide up that win and to give it away. And right. Yeah. Oh, I think that's such a valid point. And I think I may have mentioned this before, but like the church needs to do a way better job of giving our communities a place to, uh, to do art, right. And a place to serve within their community. Mm. And that's with, with no, I mean, and I say that with no expectation of it giving anything in return, right. Just giving people a place and a, um, you know, a vehicle of some sort to, uh, to give art to the community. Cause it is such a, an important part of, um, of every community, every, every cultural community. The, the church is just one cultural community within a whole bunch of other ones in, in each one of our cities, right? Mm-hmm. And we need to have our churches, I would say, be a place where people are free to do that. Uh, and we've kind of shit the bed on that sometimes. So if I'm hearing you correctly, you're saying if there's a professional artist, um instead of expecting them to give more than they can or more than they want to from their financial income from their art, we need to be setting up opportunities for them to maybe volunteer their time or their services. Because traditionally in a church setting, the volunteer roles are like daycare or like, <laughs> right, um, yeah. or, you know, the only real like creative volunteering in a church typically is like worship team and there's like nothing really for any creative outside of that um that's not a traditional volunteer role yeah yeah i think that there's there's got to be a place where we can do better at providing spaces for artists to do their thing within the context of their faith communities Mm -hmm. um and, and part of that is is having the artists um, bring that component as well to their art, right? Some, sometimes some folks are afraid to bring their, their faith into their art because, you know, that's, that's something that can be offensive to others. But right. at the same time, it also brings their perspective, their personal perspective to, to, to their vocation, to their creativity, to what they love. And uh, I think that is one of the most important things that we need to do as artists is to put our perspective and whether that's um, a faith perspective or not into what we do. You know, one of the, the, I think the first things that I remember you doing in our community was 
I think you had created seven dresses that the color schemes uh, represented the seven deadly sins. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Of course you remember yeah. that. Yeah, that yeah. was your art. Like that to me, that was me seeing someone from my faith community um, putting their faith into perspective of their art. And I was so in love with that. And uh, and which is, you know, that's this is really how our relationship and being on a creative team uh, at, at that former church uh, really, that's how our relationship began, as far as I can mm-hmm. remember, other than the relationship I currently had with, with Ryan. But uh, I love that, and I wish there would be more of that. Um, you know, so whether you're a painter, or um, you're a songwriter, or you're in textiles, or, you know, uh, you're a fashion designer, like, th- I would love for churches to create spaces for more of that, you know. Yeah, I think I... Uh... I think you and I are on the same page uh, in terms of that. And I do think that both you and I are sort of craving um, art that isn't like necessarily uh, niched into Christian art, because I think when you sort of pigeonhole yourself as that, um, it could limit your creativity. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I could keep going. Sorry. Or just leave out um, more of the narrative because yeah. maybe like you feel constricted or you don't, or like you, you use the word offensive a lot. You don't want to offend people who are in that community that you're serving with the, the Christian art. Um, and, and so I think what you and I are like both really craving are, is this art that like, it just, it has these conversations and it's not a definitive yes, no, black, white, wrong, right? It's just very like, this is what I'm experiencing. This is what I'm thinking about. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. And that's that's what every piece of art should do is is create conversation, whether it's internal or external. Art should always create conversation. Um, and because uh, it, what it is, is again, it, it just comes down to your perspective and your worldview. You know, when when uh, someone paints this incredible painting and you kind of, you know, stand and stare at it for a while, you're trying to understand someone else's perspective. Now, you may be completely off base. <laughs> you know, you may be completely wrong in what you think that perspective is. But what it has done is created an internal conversation. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think that is so, so important. Um, uh, um, one last question before I let you go, Jamie, I know, I don't know if you'll remember off the top of your head, but I remember a few years ago, you recommended a book to me, which I never had the chance to read. Um, but I do remember the cover was like black. <laughs> <laughs> Does that help at all? Oh, maybe. Um, there is an old school book. Um, I think it's called the heart of the artist, um, by, Oh gosh, his name was Roland something. Um, gosh, the heart of the artist. Anyway, uh, I think that Rory Noland is his name, the heart of the artist. Uh, that's a little that's a pretty dated book. Um, I would recommend that for someone who wants to try to find art in their faith. Um, one I might recommend now. Uh, more than that is one of my favorite artists. His name is Makoto Fujimura, and he is—he's uh, a Japanese American artist, mm-hmm. and uh, he just wrote a book called *Art and Faith*. Um, and he is an incredible artist and th- and thinker uh, when it comes to uh, to, to ma- you know matters of faith community. And I highly recommend that book. It, it just came out like I think like a month ago. 
Art okay. and Faith by Makoto Fujimura. And if I can talk about him just for a moment, um, mm-hmm. I love Japanese art. Japanese art happens to be my favorite. I'm also um, a board game nerd. And almost all of my board games, uh, I choose them based on <laughs> on Japanese artwork. Um, and so, so he is uh, particularly interesting to me. Um, there is an old Japanese art style called kintsugi. Kin means gold and sugi means joinery. And so it means gold joinery or to, to bond together with gold. And so what kintsugi is, is um, you would take a piece of pottery that has broken and you take gold and you make it into a type of glue or enamel and you mix okay. the two together and you essentially put these pieces of pottery back together by filling the cracks with this gold. And so there's this concept of taking something that was broken and making it uh, more beautiful in its brokenness because there's, you know, gold that it fills the cracks, the broken cracks of it. And I think that is such a, a beautiful depiction of, of what I would say the gospel looks like is we're all broken people. We're all broken artists um, looking to, give perspective. We're all broken people who are looking to make the world a better place. And I find Kintsugi is um, such a beautiful art form that, that speaks volumes just to take something that is old and broken and really useless in a lot of ways and, and putting it back together with something that is beautiful to make something, uh, it was really ends up being more beautiful than it was in the first place. Yeah. And uh, I think, I think that is God's, uh, opinion of art, right? I think that uh, what God wants to do is take broken people and uh, make them even more priceless than they were to begin with. I like that. Awesome. Well, thank you for your time today, Jamie, and, and for joining us and giving all your insights on this topic. Yeah, absolutely. Hope to talk to you soon.